Hello and welcome to yet another instalment of our Nucleus Wealth Insight Series. Just a quick reminder that the following presentation is general information only and does not take into account your personal circumstances. Whilst Nucleus Wealth aims to present informing and sometimes entertaining content, please consult your investment professional, financial advisor, or better yet, speak to us before making any decisions based on any of the themes discussed in today's presentation. And don't forget that this is a live presentation, so feel free to drop any questions you like in the chat box below and we can answer them along the way. If you're watching this after the event, make sure you attend the next one so you too can participate in the live Q&A section of our presentation. Our presenters today include myself, Tim Fuller, a certified financial advisor who's worked with hundreds of clients over the years, helping to make the complex simple for companies such as AMP, Mercer and Independent Advisories. We also have David Llewellyn-Smith, co-author of The Great Crash of 2008 with Ross Garneau, founder of the internationally acclaimed Diplomat magazine and now chief editor of the enormously popular Macro Business Financial blog. Finally, we have Nucleus Wealth's Head of Investments, Damien Klassen, whose 25 years in the world of finance has seen him as the founding partner and head of research at analyst firm Aegis Equities, head of quantitative strategy at Wilson HTM, and was responsible for mining energy and big data in the $60 billion global quantitative equity fund at Schroders, who are a multinational asset management company. And for more information, please check out the Our People section at www.nucleuswealth.com. Yes, so hello and welcome to yet another instalment of our Nucleus Insight series. And today we're uh, looking at all things ethical. So we've decided to call this one Ethical Impacts on Your Bottom Line. So we'll be running through uh, ethics in general and, and some investment uh, themes and, and uh, also answering a few questions that have come up uh, in the last uh, little while given our uh, recent spate of good performance and uh, some questions around how uh, people's uh, portfolios have differed uh, from, from our stated figures um, and, and reasons why typically to do with ethics as well. So jumping into it, we've got our agenda today. We're uh, going to start by just uh, doing some, some rough definitions of, of what ethics are in, in the investment world. Uh, what does investing ethically mean to a, a portfolio's performance? Uh, some positive and negative impacts that, that can occur through uh, choosing different ethical streams and, and, and deciding to, to invest ethically. And then finally, uh, what are some options uh, for someone wanting to invest in an ethical manner and a number of different uh, examples and uh, products that are out there and a little bit of a reflection on that as well. So let's jump into it. Uh, we'll kick off with some definitions and welcome to you, Damien. There you go, Mike's on. Sorry, thanks, Tim. <laughs> Very good. So um, I guess we've got uh, got a slide up there, uh, and we've, we're pretty slide-light this time, uh, this, this webinar, which is great for those podcast uh, listeners. But I guess, uh, broadly speaking, uh, the investment or the, the, the state of ethical investment can, can roam through a number of different, uh, what would you say, grades, for, for want of a better word. And I know uh, a friend of mine who works in the ethical investing space, space does uh, quite often class investors as light green and, and dark green investors. So we've sort of tried to, uh, to relate that through to here. Uh, we'll kick off with sustainable investments. Yeah, so sustainable is... Um I guess what it's looking at is the spectrum across from sustainable, uh, socially responsible investing through to the sort of darkest green, the ethical investing. 
And so I think the the sustainable is more uh, you know looking at companies and and choosing on sort of environmental, social, and corporate governance factors, and and not not so much on what the company actually sells itself. Uh, socially responsible then sort of um, takes the next sort of next stage where you start screening out stocks where if uh, if they take part in excluded activities, um, and uh, but you sort of you, you can sometimes include companies where the the, the positives sort of out, outweigh the negatives. And then finally, you get the um, the sort of the, the darkest green, where uh, you look at uh, negatively screening stocks that and, and not including them in portfolios if they make or sell certain products, and then um, positively screening stocks which are um, which sort of suit your uh, your ethical bent. Okay, sure thing, and we'll cover off on on what uh, positive and negative screening are a little bit later on in the webinar. But that's mm. a, a great place to start. So then moving into um, Another uh, common, uh, I guess, uh, acronym in the in the ethical uh, parlance, ESG. ESG, yeah. So that's that's standing for environmental, social, and, and governance. So uh, environmental is is um, a little bit self-explanatory. So you're looking at waste and pollution and, and things like that. Um, your social side then uh, looks more at uh, employees, suppliers, how it fits into the uh, the the uh, communities that it, that it produces. And um, things like safety and, and 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 that type of thing. Okay. Uh, and then finally, uh, the governance is is more about the uh, how the company's leadership, uh, you know, executive pay, audits, internal controls, and and those types of things. So um, yeah, so three sort of different uh, facets that sort of come into um, what most people think of in, in of as in ethical investing. Okay, sure. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, and we'll touch on this a little bit later, but obviously there's some uh, social and governance impacts that are pretty top of mind at the moment, given the Australian financial sector. Absolutely. And so that sort of, that comes back to, um, you know, AMP is obviously going through a pretty tough time at the moment. And, sure. and the question's about, um, you know, whether there's uh, criminal charges coming against people. Um, you know, there's been calls for breaking companies up and, and things like that. So, so they're, they're the, this is probably, I guess, an extreme example, but it, but it does show that, you know, in terms of governance and, and that overall, um, the overall uh, attitude, I guess, <laughs> yeah. that companies take to, to how they deal with their customers and, and are these customers there as we're trying to do the best thing for our customers or are these customers there as uh, we're trying to make as much money as possible from this group of people? And yep. that sort of comes, you know, so, that, so obviously trying to make as much money as possible from a group of people can be very, very profitable for, for companies and, and can look really, really good for years and years and years. But, um, you know, there's there's that sort of sting in the tail is if, if you get it, you, you take a step too far and next thing you know, um, you know, the companies are being broken up or, or big big fines for shareholders and, and you know, things like that. And, and, and I guess, the, you know, just as a, a bit of a comment on um, some of the financial uh, sort of misdoings and misgivings that have come out in the Royal Commission, um, an interesting piece there, of course, being that the, the company's uh, presentation to, to the media and to the public and then when the curtain gets raised, it can be a little bit, a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I mean, everyone, everyone puts spin on it and especially, you know, especially in, in um, I think I, as an investment professional, every time you look at something a company's put out, uh, it's always about, well, okay, well, I know you've put a, probably put a good spin on this and how do I bring it back to what really happened? But yeah, there's obviously some, some relatively um, damning uh, things that have come out in terms of, you know, the, I think the independent uh, report is, is obviously a, uh, is something a lot of people lean back on. It's not just companies. Uh, I think a lot of governments lean back on this, you know, oh, we've, we've, we've commissioned an independent report. Sure. But, uh, you know, more and more, as, as, as we've seen, is that those independent reports are, are often, um, you know, covered by a thin veneer and, and the person who's, been, who's done it has been paid a, a decent fee. You know, usually it might be 
probably at least twenty grand, could be could be hundreds of thousands for sure. for producing big reports, and uh, they know you know th- those people like to point out what's what's happening, but they know which side of the the, the their, their bread is buttered, and, <laughs> and if if you come out with a something that's too damning, then um, you can kiss goodbye to your next next gig, hundred thousand dollar yeah, report sure. to write, yep, and yep. so um, yeah, so it's a yeah, it's a, it's a cynical start to our definitions, but anyway, yes, David, how are you going? <laughs> Good, thanks, Tim. Um, it's probably not not all that directly related to ethical investing, but just to note quickly that um, that that paid report business has become a huge uh, sort of infection in inside economics itself. Okay, uh, where and and the political economy for that matter, where you you have uh, uh, a bunch of, of of sort of data houses that that really just make money by doing these reports for companies uh, with preordained um, results results, and they just tweak their models this way or that to get the result that they want. Um, so sort of garbage in, garbage out kind of problem that that is now uh, very widely used. Mm, okay, sure thing. Thanks for that, David. Okay, so look, um, obviously uh, a number of different criterias for assessing uh, the the I guess where where a company sits on the ethical spectrum, um, and I guess from here then it's it's really down to uh, where does the investor draw the line personally, um, and how does that sort of transpose in a physical sense to the way they invest. So. Um, I guess we've, we've put a couple of things up there, a couple of key uh, issues to consider for, for someone looking to uh, embark in, in relating their, their ethical bent and, and beliefs into, uh, into their portfolios. Do you want to just run us through those, Damien? Yeah, so, so three key things uh, I want to focus on is, is the first one, the biggest one, is, is uh, the effect on investment performance. Now, that's the, because you know, if, if you're sitting at the supermarket and you're saying, okay, do I buy free-range eggs or do I buy cage eggs? You can look and you can pretty directly compare the two prices. Sure. Uh, investment performance is the, is the hard one for Investical. And, and the, the most frequent question we get is people are – I think a lot of people um, you know, will look at that case and they'll go, okay, well, if, it, if, the, if the eggs are 20% more expensive, then I'll, then I'll do it. If they're 300% more expensive, then I won't. Or, or you know, everyone will have their, their limit as to, um, as, to, as to what it is. And the, the hard thing with the investment side is – um, nobody has a good answer for it. So, sure. so we've we've got a, a number of answers, um, and I think that it's it's very confusing. And, and the people selling the products often make it. Um, you know, if you're selling an ethical fund, you, you will make it a bit more confusing as well. Okay, sure. Um, and then uh, stepping into the next uh, issue. Next to one is yeah. So the first one, investment performance. The next one is is how you're choosing stocks. So there's a number of different ways you can go about choosing it. Whether it's positive screens, negative screens. Um, and, and we'll go into a few of those different different ones. Okay. And the last one is the fees side of it. Um, you know, I've, got, I've got my views on on that, but I, I think the biggest one is that I think in, in my um, experience there are some ethical funds that are charging fees that that I wouldn't consider to be ethical <laughs> in in terms of the the, the the size of the fees for what they're actually doing. Okay. So you yep. know, I guess that's sort of coming full circle is saying, well, you need to work out what you're paying for, and if it's if it's just knocking a few stocks out, then um, you know, do you need to pay an extra one one and a half percent per annum just for somebody to knock a few stocks out for you? Okay, so no more. All right, we'll jump into that one in in, in that section, but we'll we'll kick off with the uh, the ethical effect on performance. And over, um, look, I guess there's it's sort of there's a pro and a con for for mine anyway in in the fact that there has been a you know a resurgence or a, you know an, an emergence perhaps of um, demand for for ethical investment. 
investing, and that's of course then been um, given uh, fertile soil to a number of different ethical funds and, and, and managers going out there and saying, okay, well, this is what the public wants, so I'll create it. And then to me, that would then lend itself to say, well, okay, if uh, people are looking to invest more ethically, would that naturally then flow into higher prices for, for companies that are um, either you know doing ethical things or or as opposed to that, perhaps mean you know not being part of the typical ethical um, sort of things that people wanting to avoid fossil fuels and nuclear and arms, etc. Yeah. So I mean, I guess from a as a sort of a big picture perspective, there's a there's a supply demand thing, and so if the companies that are um, you know if you have two companies that are going to perform um, economically exactly the same for the next twenty years, sure, and you can buy one of them on a on a price to earnings ratio or let's say dividend yield even, let's bring it back one step further. You know, if you can buy one on a dividend yield of five percent and the other one on a dividend yield of two percent. Yep. Um, but you're gonna get the same growth in, in actual dividends the whole time, then okay. you're better off than the one paying the five percent. That makes sense. And so it's it's if that means if if what you're finding is that the companies that are um, ethically uh, challenged and, and they're trading at a much cheaper price, then they probably will give you better performance. You know, that's that, that whole sin stock. Maybe I should chase out the sin stocks. Okay. The flip side is um, there are a lot of things that companies, some of these companies do that uh, that are unethical, and every now and again they get caught out, or uh, they're in an industry and they're burning their customers, and, and it looks great for a few quarters, but that but they keep burning your customers. You eventually you start running out of customers, or word of mouth gets out, and yep. so um, yeah, so it's a, it is a matter of trying to walk that line about you know. Are they destroying their actual base, or is this, or are they being biased against and 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 going from there? Okay, yeah. and I guess the and then um, the the other the other um, side, and I guess probably more so from a, from an investment management point of view, in that um, second uh, line there, in, in having obviously this the idea of that if you've got a a set, uh, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a, your stocks, yeah, yeah. So if you've got a universe that's uh, you know, well, in ours it's sixteen, seventeen hundred stocks, and then obviously you knock out. <laughs> Half of them due to a lot of ethical screens. Yeah. So, so actually, what what I wanted to do as well is is uh, Canstar had something out uh, sort of last year. They've, they've come out with a you know one of their their things was do responsible investment funds perform as well? And they sort of came out and said yes, they do, and they and and they often perform better. Okay. Um, now, for, for me, uh, that's wrong. Like, it's, I guess it's possible for ethical funds to outperform, uh, and and it will happen over certain periods. And we've got a few examples of it. But I think as, as a big picture idea, um, as, a, as, a, as a manager, if I've give, given 1,600 stocks, which is the world index, uh, and said go out and, and find the best stocks and try and perform, and then if somebody says, well, now I'd like to cut that 1,600 back to 800 stocks because I'm cutting out all these, these ethically challenged stocks, yep. now go and beat the guy who can invest in any 1,600 – you know, over the long term, you're probably going to lose out. You've pretty much got one hand behind, tied behind Tied your back. back. Exactly. <laughs> okay. sure. So so you've got fewer stocks. But that doesn't mean that you don't go through periods where uh, where you do get outperformance. So, for example, I've got a chart up of just the, um, the, the oil and gas stocks now. Okay. Yep. So we've got uh, there the, um, the world return. Uh, substantially higher. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And, and so this is this isn't hasn't got the last sort of six months or so as, as the oil price has recovered. But but we went through this period where the oil price fell from hundred dollars back to back to thirty and and then sort of recovered a bit. But what that meant was the uh, all the oil companies got smashed. And sure. so if you were in a fund which was uh, carbon, which had a carbon as one of its its uh, as one of the the screening factors, yep, uh, you probably outperformed uh, not because your, your investment managers were geniuses, but because they literally weren't allowed to buy the sector of the market, which which was a, one of the largest sectors of the market, which fell by the most over that over that time period. Yep, that um, makes sense. 
So, and that's where I think a lot of the recent bit has come is that there's these funds that are that are anti-carbon and they've performed really, really well. And now people are saying, oh, maybe ethical funds can can outperform over the longer term. And yep. they're saying, well, no, you've got to pick your period yeah, because okay. a lot of those have then given it all back over the last couple of months as as uh, yeah, the oil prices rallied. Okay, sure thing. David? Uh, I just want to pose you a question there, Damien, which is uh, specifically on the, the carbon and oil and gas outperformance. Um, I mean, to some extent, this cyclical dip that we've seen has been the result of the decarbonisation process globally, um, with Saudi Arabia mulling whether or not to get it out of the ground fast or leave it there, etc. Um, so, where do you see oil and gas going in terms of the in the, the longer term as decarbonisation accelerates, and how would that play into your ethical thinking? Yeah, this this one's obviously a, an issue where uh, there's fundamentally a big change happening at the uh, at the economic level as well. So, for, so for me, the big thing is the uh, is, is solar power, and that, I could spend a whole a lot of time on on this solar and and, and wind power as well. In that, the uh, the level of these technology, the cost of these technologies was significantly above average, uh, above what 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 it was for for coal or for for oil. But uh, those levels have plummeted, um, and then now we have battery technology going through the same bit. And so for me, solar plus battery is a sort of killer app, and that's our upper bound for prices. And so I, I do see that um, oil and gas and, and coal, um, you know, it's got it's got a little bit of scope to, to increase with the shortages over the next little while. But but it's got this upper bound of solar plus battery is your um, you can't go above that. Because yep. if if you can replace, you know, if coal the coal price tripled, then all of a sudden for for everyone in Australia, it's worth having a a solar panel plus a, plus paying up for a battery. Yep. And um, you know, it, it sort of puts that cap, and that and that that cap is coming down, um, you know, consistently over time. Okay. Yep. And okay. Sorry, David. Yep. So so that raises the prospect of long term outperformance for that at least that ethical screen. Um, but some argue as well that. Um, oil might actually get scarcity pricing as as policy drives, you know, high carbon businesses to the margin, uh, which is kind of what we've seen at least in the short term on thermal coal with China rationalising the market. Um, what's your position on that? Look, you'll absolutely go through periods where, um, and, and especially for commodities that cost a lot of money to to get out of the ground and and, and a big capex projects where you can get caught short. Uh, I think, for me, there's there's definitely some longer term uses for uh, for oil in particular that we we don't have a, a solution to. In the shorter term, there's probably uh, planes are probably a, a one where batteries just aren't light enough and, and probably take a, a fair while longer. What about things um, like plastics and exactly sort of, the yeah, plastics and the, the whole the whole chemicals um, sort of complex. There's uh, there's significant usage in, in that, and so it's still going to be needed. And so there, there is a there is an argument that that maybe um, these will be higher. But but I think though as well that argument comes back to uh, there's a lot of people out there producing already, and if if they're starting that if it's demand and supply uh, the, the net de- demand and supply is very small on the end, okay. and, and it could be swung around a lot. So so if you've got a lot of suppliers out there and the demand falls away quite sharply, then the price is going to plummet. Um, you probably might hit a stage where there's not enough investment, <clears throat> and then the prices do need to rise. But but then it's a question of, you know, can plastics, can the demand for plastics, and and if the, 
you know, if the price of plastics is is that maybe artificially lower than it should be because everyone needs petrol for cars and, yep. and you get to and that's the, that's the primary off. driver of the of prices. Yeah. So so I guess I guess I think the carbonisation one is probably a little bit um, a little bit confusing in insofar as I actually agree with the the longer term trends that are taking it out of out of it, and I think there there is an investment case against it. But you know, if the oil price was ten bucks. Then I'd probably be saying, well, you know, there's still a big need for for a certain amount, and and there's, there's opportunity, there. there's opportunity, and yep. and you know, looking at demand and supply and, and things like that, you know, so so I think for a lot of these, it, it all comes back to comes back to price in the end for for most of them is, is working out what is the right price for the okay for these sure assets. thing. All right, well, look, um, <laughs> thanks for that. Well, we'll we'll jump over to another example we've got, which is um, uh, on the on the flip side, really, I guess, um, being the, the tobacco tobacco stocks. Tobacco stocks. So yeah. um, we've we've got a graph just up on the, for those listening in, where it shows t- tobacco well and truly uh, taking off against the the world index there. Yeah. Um, and this was actually um, uh, this came up as a question from one of our clients who was ex tobacco mm. um, and didn't want to have had the tobacco screen on and um and there was a question around the, the performance when when we had a bit of a look it was um this was this was one of the primary drivers for the difference yeah that's right so i think the um the, there's a lot of funds which are ex tobacco uh it's quite a common one in in some of the institutional funds so basically we can invest in anything around the world except for uh tobacco stocks and often they have cluster munitions as well is is, is quite a common one sure um and so tobacco stocks had a great 10 years or so they uh the last six months 12 months hasn't been as good but uh, but if you were an if you were in an ex tobacco fund, um, then quite likely you underperformed. So yep. you know if you if you're in the ex carbon one you've outperformed. You're in the ex tobacco one you've underperformed, um, and that's partly uh, that thing I was saying. The prices were quite low, and and these guys were were selling a lot to emerging markets, and yep. that's a growth. There's a area, area and, sure. and you know as they get richer, they can afford to buy whole packets rather than buying. Cigarettes by the by the by the individual cigarette, and so there's it, it is a bit of a growth market, and and so I, I guess what I'm I guess what I'm trying to pose to people is saying, okay, the performance on aggregate over the long term is is going to be negative, but there's if if there's large sectors and you're excluding large sectors, then you you are at the whims of whether that sector goes up or or that sector goes down. And I guess ultimately, from a um, from an investor's point of view, it's really about being comfortable. With the potential negative impact, that's that's effectively that's you know you're, you're the the impact of sitting out of those or, or not supporting or not participating in yeah in, in your money being involved in those areas exactly and and so the questions are you know how big is that impact and we'll we'll move on to that um, shortly sure. yep and so, so um, finally we've got a we've got a one on. Uh, Sorry, not finally, but yeah, we've got one on corporate governance yeah. um, being an, being an exception. So maybe just talk us through a bit of uh, the. We've got some examples there of some corporate, yeah. corporate governance. And so, stuff. so if you look quantitatively at the stocks and you say, uh, you know, the, there's a number of things for corporate governance that, that tend to tend to do well, uh, whether it be having independent boards or having um, shareholding structures that that are, are there for for all shareholders, not just certain shareholders, and so uh, and. Quantitatively, companies with good corporate governance do tend to outperform those with, with bad um, corporate, corporate governance in the long and term. Well, that makes sense, term. I guess. Yeah. yeah, and so a lot of funds and 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 myself in particular uh, like to incorporate that into the into your investment process. Of saying, okay, well, if if I can find companies that have good corporate governance, then I'm more likely to to, to buy those stocks than the ones without. Sure. But there are a lot of grey areas in here. So, for example, you have um, uh, Alphabet 
is got uh, some non-voting shares, which so is Google for those. Google, in your yeah, home. yep, yep. So Google's got some non-voting shares, which so that's that's a, that's a that's a no-no in that basically you're telling you're saying here's one class of shareholders that we're giving lots of votes to, and here's another class of shareholders we're not giving any votes to. Mm, okay. On the flip side, they've got a large, you know, well-diversified board, so uh, which is mainly non-independent. Okay. And so then you know there's pros and cons. Which one's better? Which one's worse? Does it does the having a good board you know, offset some of these other ones. And, and so there's lots of those questions. There's no real clear answer to. But um, it is clear that, you know, we've seen some some issues with AMP. We've seen some issues with CBA. Um, yep. you know, even Facebook's had a, had a few issues. Well, and quite, so, yeah, and it was quite interesting. Obviously, Facebook got kicked out of an ethical um, ETF we cover off on a little bit later. Um, just, you know, we, I guess this is one of the things when, when new news comes to, to, to the front that... The company yeah. should be um, keen, and, and the flip side is that if Facebook's had a pretty good run, and now being ex Facebook, um, <laughs> may, may be of benefit to the, to the fund itself as well. Quite timely, perhaps. Yeah. So I mean, I, I guess it's the tail risk you need to be is, is the, the the key thing you need to be aware of in this. And there are lots of caveats. You know, as I said, there's there's lots of cases where shareholders with massive, you know, one or two shareholders with lots of control and lots of um, you know and structures that are all beneficial to them, and and everyone else is along for the ride and actually happen to do quite well. But you know, on aggregate, you want good corporate governance in, yeah. in the companies you're buying. And yep, fantastic. And 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 just finally as well, just as a, as a cheeky side note, I remember AMP last year um, did a big run through their ethical or an ethical screen through a lot of their portfolios in about March of last year, from memory. Um, and now it's probably a chance that uh, everyone else is going to be doing a run on, on AMP through their portfolios on ethical basis. So anyway, we'll, we'll move on though. Um, so yeah, so I guess um, just capping off the the effect on performance. Um, what, what in an overall perspective? What's yeah. So so, so what are we talking about? Look, it depends on how much you want to cut out, uh, okay. and depends on how good you think uh, investor. How good you think investment managers actually are at picking stocks. If you if some people are of the view that look, nobody can do this, the whole market's efficient, you should just buy an index fund and, and forget about it. Sure. Well, if that's the case, then um, there's less of an effect. Okay. So, you, you know, you're not giving up much by being ethical because no one can pick anything anything anyway. If you do have a view that investment managers do have some skill and they can choose between it um, and you knock out, say, 10 to 20% of stocks, then you're probably talking about half a percent in the, in the long term. Okay. Um, and that's sort of like a – that's running sort of Monte Carlo simulations and things like that. Sure. Which is doesn't account for for um, you know oil the, the oil, oil sector yeah, you know underperforming or, or tobacco something. yeah that's right okay and so uh, you know I think in the best case you, you try and get a bit of both in in that you're you know you're trying to you are trying to take a bit of a pick on on some of these sectors but but also you you've got an eye to some of the ethical side okay sure thing yeah. all right very good and so um, just sort of we, we might just dive into um, from a from a management and a portfolio management point of view some. Uh, the nitty gritty on on exactly how uh, ethical you know mm. options and, and themes are, are pushed into or enacted in portfolios. So yeah. uh, we'll run through so, the three of the, the usual methods. Yeah. So the three most common is positive screening, uh, negative screening, and then what I call best of breed okay. products. So so if you're in a, um, I, guess, I guess the first step I'd like to say is if you, if you take back take a step back and say, well, wh- why do you want to be an ethical investor? Because I think that's, I think a lot of people have the feeling they would like to be, but um, I don't think I've really thought through the the the, the reasoning why. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I, I my take is that um, there are a number of different ways you can use your money to help. One is you can just make a donation to people. So if you if you've got a fund, I mean companies themselves aren't tax deductible generally. Okay. But 
um, if you're trying to find an ethical one, there will be an industry body or there'll be something that's, you know, you can just give your money and take a tax deduction straight away. Okay, sure. <laughs> so rather than sort of sticking your money in a company that might, um, you know, it might, be, it might be great on paper and, and I'm a bit of a sucker as well for some of these ones where you, you look at a biotech and they're going to cure cancer and they're going to save all these poor kids and then, you know, and I'm going to make a, I'm going to be a millionaire on the back of it as well. Win, win, win. Win, win, win. But <laughs> the reality is most of those are priced, they're not priced on um, the actual investment fundamentals, they're priced on the, the, the whole emotion of, oh, I can buy this stock and I can, you know. Support, yeah, support I can the help cause. support. Yep, sure. Whereas most of those, you know, there's plenty of cancer foundations, there's plenty of things like that where you can, you can, you know, rather than sticking ten thousand dollars into the stock and seeing it gradually whittle away to, 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 to nothing over a course of ten years as they spend all this R and D, you could give the ten thousand dollars straight to a, to, a, to the source, straight and, to the source, and help, and help them out rather yeah, than buy it and, off and take a tax else. deduction straight away rather than waiting for ten years to, to write sure. it off. Okay, sure. Um, the other thing you can do is buy, you can buy the product yourself. That's all. You know, most companies. Um, would prefer to have more customers rather than more shareholders. Okay. And the companies that don't, the companies want more shareholders and customers. You don't want to be investing. In. <laughs> they're the they're the Ponzi schemes. Sure. So so you know if you let's say it's solar power for example, and and you want to support it, well, buy yourself a solar panel and or you know help get one for your schools or do whatever it is on that front is is much more helpful than than buying a share, especially from another another shareholder. Yep. So that's sort of the, my, my, my bottom one. So the first thing is sort of make a donation if you've got to help. Second thing is buy the product yourself. Third thing is buy buy your shares in a capital raising because okay. if, if I'm buying my shares from another shareholder, I'm doing nothing for that company. It's mm -hmm. All it is is if I, if I bought a share from you, Tim, I'm giving you $10,000, you're taking $10,000 and going away and doing whatever. Yep. Um, the company itself doesn't really care whether I own the shares or you own the shares. It's done nothing for it. Yep. If it's a capital raising where they're saying, oh, well, look, we're going to start a new whatever. We're starting an R&D project or we're starting a, a, a new solar farm somewhere or whatever it is and we need people to put money in, then you can you can make a you can make a difference by, by putting that capital in, yeah, especially then. if they couldn't have other, otherwise raised it. Sure. Okay. But, but buying shares on the market from another investor is, is pretty much the um, – Zero sum game for the for the for the company, company. involved. Yep. Yeah, maybe there's a slight increase in the share price, but but really you're not doing a lot for the the, the overall um, factor. So so I guess that's what yeah my take is that you know decide what what you're doing why you're doing it for in the first place and then what impact you want to have. Yeah, sort of thing. and so the three types actually just to come back well, then so okay. the, the three types you can do so there's positive screening, um, whereas we try and go and try and find companies that are going to outperform. Okay, and. Uh, that and and that sort of fit your um, your criteria for uh, for ethics, and these are very very difficult. So you know, not only it's, I mean, it's hard enough to go out there and say I want to find stocks that are that are good quality and cheap and, and are going to go up in price and, and all that type of stuff. And now you say plus they must be saving the world or you know adding to a good cause or something like that. Mm. And the number of stocks you can find that sit in that category are very very few. And highly uh, concentrated, no doubt. Yeah, that's right. And when you do, they're usually quite expensive, and sure. so uh, it's a it's a tough one. And um, I think those uh, those ones are, are where, if you think managers have skill, um, there's probably the lowest investment form is going to come from from those ones. Okay, sure. So, and negative screening? Negative screening is then uh, where you, you cut stocks out. So you, you go through certain sectors and you say, these are the ones we're going to. These are the sectors we don't like, and uh, let's let's cut out those stocks because we don't want to. Um, yeah. And that's essentially what, what we do at, at Nucleus Wealth. So yeah. we start, start with a big portfolio, of the best portfolio that we can, and then allow... Then we'll let people cut out their own stocks. Okay, yeah. sure. Because that's the issue, the big issue with negative screening when you're choosing funds is making sure you've got a fund that actually aligns to what you want. Mm. So you might have a, a feeling that, look, um, you know, 
alcohol's fine, uh, tobacco's fine, gambling is fine, but I don't like the carbon and I don't like uh, nuclear and I don't like the war. Yep. But the funds cut everything out. And so you're missing out on performance you might have otherwise got from some of these other places because you're in a big ethical fund and, and they've just got to you know, go Make with... Make compromises. Yeah, yep. that's right. Okay, sure. And so basically you have to find somebody who's got the same ethics as you or find a fund that's got you know exactly the same ethics as you and, and then take that or you're, you're going to get underperformance from excluding sectors that, that you might think are fine. Mm, okay, sure, um, sure. And, and um, the best of breed? And the best of breed then. Best of breed is where... People, what they do is they look through all the stocks. They try and rank within sectors. Okay. So they'll look at, say, oil and gas, and they'll say, uh, okay, we know there's the worst ones, which are the, the brown coal or the t- uh, Canadian tar sands, so we're definitely not going to invest in those. But um, then there's some oil ones sort of sitting in the middle, and then we've got these gas producers at the end. So let's go and buy the gas producers because they're not they're the, not the, the green CO2 guys. <laughs> exactly. And so and that's where um, – so, so look, it's it, it's good you're doing that, and then it's you know certainly making some difference. But I think from a from a big picture perspective, there's a lot of people who are uh, will look at those and go, well, I didn't want any, you know. Or, or if I'm investing in tobacco stocks, the fact I picked the one that tries not to sell to kids rather and third world countries rather than the ones that do, they're still selling. Yep, still the same. Still selling tobacco. Yeah, so, sure. So it's it's about getting that um, you know best of breed. There's managers like that because it means they can still invest in the sectors and and not not sort of lose out yep. but I think if, if your goal is to make a big difference then best of breed for me for me doesn't make um, a lot of sense and you would sort of expect that a, a best of breed approach would potentially be more expensive as a uh, as a as, a, as a, me- a method of management due to the fact of this this added analysis layer and then there's the ranking and then there's the selection process and everything as well yeah yeah you, do, you, you would have to often I think um, often managers will outsource a lot of the ethical side is, is the other thing like okay. there is a lot of uh, where the managers are like, look, I'm here to invest in in stocks. Um, you tell me what I'm allowed to invest in, and then I'll go and find the best ones in that universe. Okay. And so often that that part is actually outsourced. But there is an ex- there's usually an additional cost on on top of that to to buy the as you said. Okay, sure. So and that leads us nicely into fees. Um, just to wrap up our uh, our little section here. So. Yeah, sure. So. Um, yeah, so so I I'm think sort of, I, I've probably preempted this in, in a way. I've basically look the the issue is that there's there are slightly higher costs to running an, uh, uh, an ethical fund in terms, of, as you said, you do need to do some more screens and things like that. Um, but we're not talking um, sheep stations, you know. Sure. It's, it is it isn't a huge additional layer, and for a lot of managers, it really is just saying, well, you know, I, I could invest in sixteen hundred now. I can only invest in twelve hundred. You know, there might, there's possibly even some cost savings there. I don't. There's not as many stocks for me to look at. I don't need as many analysts, or I uh, don't need to get as much research. Yep. Which, so, I think um, you know you should be talking. Similar similar fees, you know. Maybe there's a little, maybe in some cases, if you're doing best of breeds or, or things like that, maybe there's justification for a little bit of an extra fee. Yep. But I think there's um, there shouldn't be shouldn't be overpaying essentially. Yeah, that's right. And, and it does, um, yeah. That's one of the things that very much irks me is when I look at these things and, and here's somebody selling an ethical fund and they're charging two two and a half percent to investors and you and and you're sort of looking at that saying just a minute. We want everyone else to be ethical except for us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> as, yeah. as a manager. And so, We're going to greenwash you and greenwash your wallet as well, potentially. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, very good. Um, so we'll roll into a couple of uh, different options now, I guess, so from a practical sense. Um, obviously, there's uh, has been around for a while now, a number of uh, managed funds, uh, a couple of names there, Australian Ethical, um, Perpetual, BT, 
uh, Uniting Church also run a managed fund, which was interesting. Um, uh, then, I guess from a cost perspective, um, you know, moving down to a uh, to through to listed investment companies. Um, there's a couple there, uh, Australia-based Hunter Hall. I oh, know there's no Hunter Hall anymore. Uh, Morphic. Actually, there is. I think there's still a Hunter Hall, isn't there? Oh, I'm not know. sure. I'll have to go and double check that one. Yeah, might have been an old page I, I was reading. Gone. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then uh, finally, of course, the the new vogue of exchange traded funds, um, offering a uh, I guess once again a broad palette of ethical themes, um, with that index sort of costing as well, which um, makes it a little bit more palatable from from a cost perspective. Um, I've got an example there of the the beta shares one. Just speaking of the broader theme, so is, and and this sort of harks back to what you were saying before, Damien, in the sense that the, the the cheaper broader options are exactly that, aren't they? They give you a broad broad screening or broad you know thematic uh, taste, which then of course can work against you if um, you're ambivalent about a number of things that are actually contained inside of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there might be ones as well where you start we look at you know, we we have a number of different scales, but. Um, you know, for example, you might look at the uh, the war side of it and say, "Well, look, I'm I, I don't want to buy I don't want to buy the defence contractors or people that are out, you know, making landmines or cluster munitions and things like that." Yep. But I'm actually happy to own Boeing as an example. And so, you know, there's a there is that that range of saying, "Where where do they sit in terms of the scale of it?" Uh, um, or you know, in terms of carbon, do I want no carbon, or actually do I just really want to get the, rid of the worst carbon ones? Or, sure. And, and so it's that type of thing Have, about you getting you're getting the works. Yep, getting a bit of granularity in in, in your <laughs> sort of ethical your internal ethics potentially. Hmm. Yep, sure. Um, and then from a thematic option, um, we've got uh, well, essentially, you know, one pl- one place to look is is and there are a number of these available in the Australian market in the um, in, in in a face to face sort of advice environment where they they create essentially a bespoke um, and tailored, you know, uh, do you like this stock versus that stock? Obviously, it's laborious, but you're going to, you know, you know a, 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 a properly tailored you know, portfolio to yourself. But of course, this then comes with the added costs. You might be looking at, you know, another percent or two for, for the ethical um, advice um, and then obviously on an ongoing basis. If you had a, a your own advisor is what you're talking about. Well, this is right. Yeah. a stockbroker or a financial yeah. planner who specializes in that. Absolutely. In that that's right. Yeah, yeah sure. And, um, you know, and look, that's that's certainly out there for people. Um, and I guess um, the flip side of that from a cost perspective is, is sort of essentially where we sit in the separately managed account um, area where we, as we've mentioned, we use the, the negative screening. So we, we build the best possible portfolio that we can for everybody and then they can go in and, and, and remove those um, um, various ethical uh, uh, themes and, and beliefs. And there's an example there of some of ours. We've got 19 uh, ethical screens at the moment um, and a couple of portfolio tweaks as well for those who are, who uh, don't have any faith in the Australian banks. Uh, <laughs> is one that we've added in recently. Um, not so much perhaps an ethical theme, but probably a um, fairly could, topical theme. Could, could easily be an ethical screen following the, the well, that's, Royal Commission. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, but as as you mentioned before, Damien, uh, particularly the climate change one, you know, it has got that that. Um, I guess tiered effect of having high impact and broad, and then looking at coal seam gas, um, and and we've even got one in there for the old growth uh, forest loggers as well, um, which is uh, surprisingly uh, popular amongst our our investors. So uh, we're going to have more on that later when we talk a little bit more about nuclear as well. Um, I guess the other, um, well, we'll just in really in summation, uh, the the broader thematic options. So you know, overall, Damien. Um, 
you know, as an investor who 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 wants to who who believes in certain things, has certain ethical sort of uh, beliefs that they want to transpose into their portfolio and the way their money's managed. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you sort of say? You know, what 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 are the sort of key key things they need to think about? Yeah, so key things is you need to think about performance. Uh, as I said, as I said, if you're cutting out sort of twenty percent ish of your stocks, you're probably talking about a half percent. Um, hit to your to your performance in the very long term, okay. Um, which I think for for a lot of people is 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 palatable as long as you're not also paying two or two and a half percent in in fees. If you're paying a, if you're only paying one percent fees and. Yep. You know, that sort of it all ends up being about right. Well, and that kind of makes sense because if you know that you're already going to potentially have an impact on your performance, then having a, a you know doubling up or tripling up again on your costs is just going to work even further against you, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then I think you need to to come back to decide. You know, really, given that given that thought that the more sectors I cut out, the 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 worse my performance will be. Because um, if you're only cutting out you know five percent of stocks or something like that, which you know. I think for a lot of people, you know, these these ones will, um, then you're probably talking, you know, you're decimal places. You're rounding. If you're if you're looking at a if if, if you're giving a universe of sixteen hundred or giving somebody a universe of fifteen hundred and fifty stocks, look, there's going to be you're not going to be able to tell the difference in the performance, and it may well be positive. Okay. For, for if you're only just making very small very small changes. And as I mentioned so. before, um, you know, there is the potential of say with the um the, the fossil fuels that, you know, if if uh, you know, predictions are correct in the in the sense that we slowly do wean ourselves off the you know, mm. off off oil, you know, as it were as a broader um, transport method at least for or at least for energy usage, then um yeah. you might yeah, you might see some positive push of good yeah. tailwind. And- and, and though, you know, I guess I don't want to open that too far, but it is worth thinking about thoughts about saying, uh, you know, with the oil price at $75, you know, I've got the view, I've got the negative view on that. Sure. You know, subject to political pressures, it could pre- push it higher. But, you know, if the oil price was 5 bucks or $10, then I'd probably be in there buying these stocks. Uh, and, and it's a question of if, if you've got an ethical bent or if you've got an investment bent. So there's, there's sort of, you've got to keep those two separately in, in terms of saying if, if you have an, uh, an investment, an ethical bent that I don't care if it's five bucks or if it's two dollars for oil, I don't want any of it in my portfolio because I want to, you know, I think I want to tra- I want to help the transition across. Yep. Then, um, tick the box and, and cut them out. Whereas if it's just an investment side, then, um, you're chasing investment themes through trying to do, do an ethical, um, you know, might be might be the wrong way to get, to do it. Yeah, this okay. One, yep, sure, sure thing. All right, very good. And now uh, we'll just uh, finish up with some information about Nucleus Wealth. Nucleus Wealth and the Macro Business Fund was put together to help give you access to quality, well-researched stock analysis and superior macroeconomically-minded asset allocation. We use technology to help us provide a service typically only available to high net worth and sophisticated investors at a fee level that rivals the more basic solutions available to these everyday investors. We do this by using separately managed accounts, which allows clients to enjoy unparalleled transparency in what they own and why. It also means that each client effectively owns their own separate and discrete share portfolio, which is managed by us. We have partnered with Linear Asset Management, who are backed by the ANZ Bank for Cash Management, and JP Morgan, one of the biggest banks in the world, as custodian of your assets. We feel that this structure is the gold standard for your financial protection. In addition to this, we offer 19 separate and individual ethical screens that you can use to help tailor your investment. To ensure that your money is not being used to support companies that deal in areas and practices that you feel are important. 
By eliminating the areas that are only important to you, you keep the potential for higher returning areas that you might otherwise be ambivalent about. And these would typically be ruled out in broader ethical products currently available in the market. The name Nucleus comes from our ability to provide the core holdings of a client's portfolio, allowing them the time to explore areas that may be of interest or they may have experience in. We also offer a complete investment solution for those who don't have time to coordinate their own investments. Our investment team has decades of experience in world markets and we have access to a global team of stock analysts. By removing the layers of middlemen that typically sit between your money and the markets, we've been able to reduce fees and provide unparalleled transparency in the solution we provide. For more information on what we can do for you, please call 1300 623 863 or contact us through www.nucleuswealth.com. So uh, that concludes our uh, webinar today on ethical investing, our little deep dive into how, uh, how we, how we uh, I guess, transact, I'm sorry, transact on uh, and, and help people invest ethically on their, um, in their portfolios every day at Nucleus Wealth. Thanks, David and Damien. Uh, and uh, coming up next week, of course, we have the focus on the future of financial advice. Uh, obviously, uh, a, a close uh, and uh, held quite interest, well, high, high level of interest for myself as a financial advisor. We're going to have a little bit of a run through of the uh, the recent Royal Commission findings uh, and also uh, where we think financial advice is headed. So same bat time, same bat channel, the 24th of May, uh, Thursday, the 24th of May, sorry, at 12.30 p.m. Uh, and if you'd like to register your interest for that, head over to proton.nucleuswealth.com. Um, just a, a final reminder as well for those who don't know, that, but we have uh, started to release these webinars as podcasts, uh, and you can get these at all major podcast uh, vendors or uh, listing apps. Uh, podcast Addict is, is, a, is quite a handy one on uh, Android and uh, obviously iTunes for, for anyone with an Apple. Um, so feel free to head over there and check out our library. Uh, finally, thanks very much for attending and listening in. I hope you got something out of it. I certainly did. Um, and also, as always, for those that have uh, that lo have lodged uh, their interest on the Proton site, read out below, uh, there will be a survey sent around for you to give us some feedback on how we've gone today. And also, uh, you can also uh, offer up any topic topics rather for for future webinars, and we're uh, more than happy to do a bit of research and bring something to you. So, on that note, thanks very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you at the next one. Cheers.